0: Welcome to the ministry of Barefoot Church. I'm Clay Neesmith, the pastor here at Barefoot Church. And man, we hope what you experience here today uh, will encourage you, motivate you, and inspire you in a great, great way. Today, I want to talk to you about success. Anybody want to have success in life? Come on. What, What do the rest of you guys want? Come on. I want to talk to you about having success in life, the ladder of success, and in reality, we're all just one step away from success. However, we have to define what the ladder of success is today. And lots of times we define what success is by what we see in this world rather than what God has said in his Word. And today we're going to talk about having success in who God says that we are and being all he has created us to be. You know, lots of times we define success by hard work and determination, don't we? Anybody like to work hard? Come on. This is the retired crowd. (laughs) Pandemic crowd, come on. No, hard work and determination. Lots of times we... Uh, Want to define success by how hard we work and how determined we are, how how high we can climb. And the interesting thing about that ladder of success is, this here large ladder represents that. We tend to define success that way. What we do is, lots of times we tend to knock people out of the way that get in our way on the way up that ladder, right? Or we tend to remove anything, any obstacle that gets in the way of us climbing that ladder. And some people are driven by the ladder of how high can I climb, that, that determination, that, that hard work. And when we're driven by that to, to get success, then what we do is oftentimes we destroy everything around us. We define success oftentimes by our educational level and how many degrees we have and how many letters are behind our our name or in front of our name. And if that is the case, then lots of times we'll do whatever we can in order to get that education. Many times we define success by how large our bank account is, right? And if anything gets in our way, In the way of that bank account, we'll knock it off or we'll remove it out of the way. And in reality, the world we live in today says, hey, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Work hard, be determined, and you can get to the top. But God doesn't define success in our life that way. And today we're going to learn that we're all just one step away from success. Other times people define success by popular opinion or what's popular or you know what, what, what is going on around them in culture. We tend to define the culture normatives as the way to success. In other words, I just want to get in the stream of what everybody else is doing. That's kind of what this middle ladder here represents this eight-foot ladder or, you know, oftentimes people have a common six-foot ladder in their household. Anybody got a six-foot ladder in their closet somewhere, in their garage, in their barn, their shed, their outhouse, whatever? And, and really that ladder is the ladder that many of us are trying to climb. In other words, if it's popular, We grab hold of it, and that's going to be success. We tend to gravitate towards where everybody else is going and what everybody else is doing. We we want to join the most popular party. We want to go to the most popular places. We want to surround ourselves with popular people. I remember in high school, I was what they called a, a, a senior favorite. Anybody know what that is in the room today? What that meant at my school was your class would vote on whether you were popular or not. And they had 10 senior favorites in our large class. I went to a large high school down in Georgia. Everybody strives to be popular and be a senior favorite. Well, I was one of those back in 1984. Come on, somebody. Class of 1984. I was a senior favorite. But what I discovered about all that striving and all that worrying and all that, you know, thing to gain that popularity, none of that matters right now because you don't care if I was a senior favorite or not. And I think back to those days of of all the people I had to talk to in order to be a senior favorite. I didn't even really like talking to people. Uh, You know, or, you know, how I had to act in order to be that popular person. How I had to wear my hair a certain way. Wear the right kind of blue jeans. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, somebody. Levi's back in that day. Had the Nike tennis shoes on with the blue stripe. Come on, Titus. You know what I'm talking about. Man, man, I'm telling you, everybody looked at you from the outside and decided if you were successful by the kind of tennis shoes you had on, the way you wore your hair, what, what level you were on the sports team. And, and, and really, some of us haven't changed our level of success in today's society because we continue to go down that path and we try to define success based on how popular we are. What, what kind of house we live in, what kind of car we drive, what, what course we swing the golf club on, right? That, that really determines whether I'm successful or not. And what I want to declare to you today, no matter how hard you work or how determined you are, no matter how popular things are, that, that we're all just one step away from real success. The, the last ladder I have over here behind me today is the two-step ladder out of my wife's closet. Anybody got one of those? The two step, you know what I'm talking about. It's it's a little step stool, and some of us do. We 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 define our life by the step stool, like we're, we're just one step above somebody else. That that's called comparison. And and if I just am one step above you in my title, then then that means that I'm really doing better. I'm more successful than you, right? Or if I am one step above you in what I have, then I'm being a little bit more successful. And here's how you can really tell if that defines who you are today. Because you're always reaching back. We do it in church all the time. And we're trying to help somebody get to the same step we are, become equal with us, have the same thing we have, we we begin to define everything by by what we have in life or don't have in life. And so what we do is we say, hey, you know what, I just want to, I got a heart to get you to where I am. And and so what I want to do is I want to help you out of that poverty, Get, get to where I am. And, and we began to say, man, if I could ever just get you where you could, could buy your own groceries, then everything's going to be all right. And, and so we began to define success by how many people we help get to the step we're on. However, we also began to think about those who are more or less a little bit higher than us, and and we don't reach out to them at all because when we look at their life, what we begin to think is, we begin to think, well, they have more than I do, so they they don't really need success. They're already successful. I mean, look at the job they have. Look at their family. It's amazing. Have you seen his bank account? Do you know what they do for a living? And and man, you know, they're they're already more successful. So so our heart never reaches up. It always reaches back because we're trying to get everybody to, 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 to be equal with us at the same level in our human life. And my friend, that is an enemy. Of success. It's called comparison. Where in reality, we're all just one step away from the success that God so desires for us to have. And we're going to talk about that step today. Because every single one of these success ladders would destroy your life. And I need you to know the enemy of your soul comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came to give you life and give it to you to the full. Come on, somebody. And and, and so in order to kind of unpack this idea today, I'd love for you to turn in your Bible to... A famous passage of Scripture is John chapter 3. Some of you have probably heard John chapter 3 verse 16, right? And, and again, if you're not familiar with church, you probably even saw that at a ball game somewhere in the end zone. Somebody holding it up between the goalposts. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Popular Scripture, Right? Today, we're going to read that entire passage of scripture and we're going to learn some things about what Jesus was doing in this passage of scripture. He was trying to define how to have success, how for all humanity to have success. And he encounters a man named Nicodemus. Let's look at the passage and see what it says. The Bible says this there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. That's really important. Did you catch the introduction? To how the Bible defines this man named Nicodemus. It, it, it defined him by his nationalism, it defined him by his position in that day's religious structure. And to be a Pharisee was to be successful. Lots of times people sit in churches and they think, man, a Pharisee was was somebody who was basically just mean. No, no, no. It was a person who was determined. It was a person who worked hard. It was a person who did their very best at everything they d- could do in order to become the greatest. And I needed to find to you today, being a Pharisee was not a bad thing. And the Bible says that This man is defined by the people he belonged to, his nationality. Also, it's defining him by his position, popularity. And it's defining him by, by basically what he was all about in life. And can I tell you what he was all about in life? It was to make everybody Jewish, because he believed being Jewish. What's the way to find success? I wonder if you are trying to make everybody be a Christian because you think being a Christian or making everybody be a Christian would make them successful. i got to declare to you today, we don't make anybody become a Christian. All we can do is take one step. We're going to talk about that step today. And when we take that step, it opens our eyes to amazing things and helps those around us begin to take the same step. But the Bible says his name is Nicodemus. He's a Pharisee. He's a Jewish man. And after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus, Rabbi, teacher. He said, we know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. In other words, we've seen you do some miraculous things, and we believe you are a great teacher, and the God that we are trying to get to is with you because you open the eyes of the blind, you help the lame walk, and we believe, you know what, that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. That's interesting. Because now Jesus moves into what we refer to in the church world as parable talk, analogy talk. He's using an analogy that hopefully Nicodemus can connect with. And he says, hey, unless you're born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? In other words, he's taking it literal instead of as an analogy to discover how to have true success. And then Jesus goes on to say, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. A theological debate that I won't unpack today. But he says, you know what, you won't see the kingdom and you won't enter the kingdom unless you take a step towards Nicodemus, what I am saying. You recognize I'm a good teacher. You recognize I'm a miracle worker. You recognize that I opened the eyes of the blind. You know what, heal people's life. But you fail to recognize who I am. And why I have come. Goes on to say this. Humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. In other words. One man and one woman. Get together. And they have a sexual relationship. And when they have this sexual relationship an egg gets fertilized in the lady's womb by the man's fertilization system and another human life is born. Anybody scientifically believe that today? It's how human beings are reproduced. But Jesus says, That there's only one way to become spiritually alive. And it's by the Holy Spirit of God. Pay close attention. He says, so don't be surprised when I say to you, you must be born again. Because your mama and daddy can't make you be born the way I'm talking about is what Jesus is declaring. He says, the wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind. But you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How many of you know the wind blows where it wants to? Sometimes I don't want the wind to blow in my backyard. There's more leaves to pick up. There's more leaves to rake. There's more trash on the ground. How many of you like the wind of a hurricane? How many of you can control it? You can't. It goes where it wants to, it does what it wants to, how it wants to, when it wants to. And the truth of the matter is, sometimes the wind makes a big mess that you and I have to clean up afterwards. But Jesus says, here's the deal. The Spirit's like the wind. It does what it wants to, goes where it wants to. He does what he wants to, when he wants to, how he wants to. But look what else it says. He says, well, how can, are these things possible? How can you be born again, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you're a respectful Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we, pay close attention, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. Now, wait a minute. Jesus is standing there in a conversation in the dark with one man, named Nicodemus, and Jesus said, we are telling you some things, but you aren't receiving what we say. What is Jesus referring to? Well, he's referring to what we define today in the church world as the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus doesn't say, you know what, I'm trying to define something to you. No, Jesus is saying, I'm God in the flesh. And and, and Nicodemus, until you grab who I am and who is standing right here in front of you, you know what, you're never going to understand what I mean by being successful. You're never going to grab hold of it because all you're trying to do is look at life through the lens of basically um, from, from being born from a man and a woman. And what I'm trying to tell you is there's a God. and he is everywhere at one time. He is spirit and he can live with me here in the flesh and he can be the father at the same time in heaven and he can be moving in their heart in Africa and he can be moving in their heart in Asia and he's an everywhere at one time God. And Nicodemus you about to miss something significant here and until you believe that God is who he says he is and he can be everywhere at one time in the middle of your crisis and on the top of the mountain in Somebody's success. Nicodemus, you're going to miss success. See, what Jesus defines here is the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Nicodemus, though, Jesus is declaring, I'm standing here fleshly in front of you. It's the Holy Spirit of God who is working in your heart. We're everywhere at one time, Nicodemus. The Bible goes on to say this. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, I tell you these earthly analogies, how can you possibly believe you if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven And as Moses lifted the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. In other words, Jesus is defining who he is. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact, Jesus says. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for the fear their sins will be ex- exposed but those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that what they are doing what they are doing is what god wants so basically what jesus reveals to nicodemus in this passage is nicodemus you have been trying to climb the ladder of success with, you know what, with who you are and what you do. You, you know, you're trying to define because, you know what, you are a partner, of barefoot church, that, that you are successful. Nicodemus, you're trying to define because you belong to some certain people group, you are successful. Nicodemus, because you have a certain educational level, you are successful. And Nicodemus, you are missing how to have success when it comes to God's kingdom, God's family, and what God wants to do in your life. But basically what he says to Nicodemus is, Nicodemus, everybody is one step away from success. If you truly get Nicodemus who I am, listen to this verse again, John chapter three verses sixteen and seventeen. What drives this small step of faith that brings success? my friend, first and foremost, it's God's amazing love let's just, let's define the, the, the what Jesus says again for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. Now, if we look at this word love, we, we understand something about God. God loved the world, humanity, so much that he brutally had God the Son beaten, whipped murdered killed, stabbed crushed for God so loved the world he gave generously to humanity a man who would be nailed to a stake on a cross and lifted high for God so loved you he beat himself to death now that's the greatest form of love anybody could ever find and why would god do that because humanity is inoculated to success we think success is defined by what we do instead of who God is. We think success is defined by how popular we are versus how popular somebody else is. We think success is defined by how high the ladder we're going versus knowing, knowing this great God who brutally had himself beat to death. Why did he do that? Can I tell you why he did it? Because he is generous in his love. He loved you. He loved me so much. He wanted us to see the brutality of where our sin is carrying us to. And so how do you find sin? Sin is literally missing the mark of God's glorious standard. The Bible says we've all missed the mark. It's not the bad stuff you do. It's the things that you miss in life trying to define success your way instead of allowing a step of faith to put you in the presence of the living God so he can define who you are. My friend, the reason Jesus died on the cross was to take your sin and my sin upon himself. And he wanted you to know how horrific sin is if you don't receive who he is to your life. How brutal it is. It'll destroy your life, it'll hurt your life, it'll break your life, it'll beat your life. Why well, didn't being a senior favorite do anything for my life today? because it was sin. I'm not defined by how popular I am. I'm not defined by what I say about myself. I'm not defined, you know what, how by how I climb. I'm not defined by how many people I help get to the next step. I'm defined amazing love and his love is generous and it's for all people but also his when God loved the world he gave his best right so God's love gives its best his one and only son the only human being ever been born from heaven and came to earth and God gave him the cross for you and made the very best. The best I've got, humanly speaking, is my son. I cannot fathom giving my best. I got one son. I can't fathom brutally watching you beat him to death to show my love. But the Bible says God gave it all. He gave his best. He was generous. Why did he do it? Why did he hang Jesus on a freaking stake? It's love. For you to know how bad it is to miss the mark of God's glorious standard. But also, his love is life altering. See, let's look again. It says, Those who believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. How do you define eternal life? Most of us would define eternal life as forever and ever and ever, right? Never stopping, never ending. And, and, And you know what? That's part of the definition. But let me define this word eternal for you today. It means never-ending, but it also means it's qualitative. It's, it's the quality of life. And, and can I tell you what Jesus is saying? Eternal life, forever, never, never, ever, never-ending life is quality. When you take that one step and believe in who I am, in other words, it brings quality right here, right now. It's not in the future somewhere. So, so see, a lot of people are mistaken. they think eternal life means after after they leave this earth and go go to a place called heaven. But eternal life, Jesus defines as it's quality life. It's right here. It's right now. It's understanding where real success comes from because I took one step of faith and believed in his amazing love that he gave for my sin on a cross. And because he was brutally beaten for me and I see how horrific my sin is, I don't want a taste of that. And I put my faith in him. And the Bible says three days later, his power resurrected him from a grave. I don't know about you, but I'm going to have a quality life no matter what's going on around me, what people group comes against me, what breaks down around me, what popular party wins anything. I will have a quality life. Because my success isn't defined by these ladders. It's defined by one step. And you say, well, I think I took that step. My friend, I want you to know you can know you took that step. And it's not just some words you utter out of your mouth, and a prayer you say. It's life-altering. Have you put your faith in this Jesus who was brutally beaten because he loved you too much to leave you where you are? Have you put your faith in the one who God's power lifted from the grave for you. For all humanity to see God's amazing love. You say, well, I think I did because when I was seven years old, I prayed a prayer and I I got baptized. You can know you have. Let me share with you Averse because there's evidence that this birth has taken place. See, physically, we can walk into a birthing room. And when that baby comes out, we can know that a birth has taken place. when that baby begins to suck air in and cry and laugh and smile, we can see it and know it has taken place. Well, listen. Not only when you take that step of faith and put your belief in God that He is who He says He is, does He forgive you Of your sin. The Bible says that this everywhere at one time God comes and lives in you, and His Holy Spirit makes your spirit come alive. And the spiritual birth has just happened. And so I got to ask you are you alive? And you say, well, I think I'm alive. Well, listen to what the scripture says. Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. In other words, the Holy Spirit don't make my spirit become timid. It says, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So the writer here goes on and tells young Timothy, he says, to so never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And that's a fascinating passage of scripture because what that passage of scripture just told us is that whenever we become alive in Christ Jesus, because we put our faith in he is who he says he is and we've been born again as he spoke about in John chapter three, that our spirit comes alive. And when your spirit comes alive, you don't look at these ladders And stay fearful or become timid. No, no, no. You begin to move forward with God's family in God's kingdom because now you have been birthed anew and you are alive. And whenever the enemy tries to define success is found in those things, you go back and you say, no, I took one step. I believe in Jesus I know that Jesus has connected me to the eternal God. I know that the eternal God lives in me. And I don't fear what I see. I don't fear what is happening around me. I don't fear what is going on. And I don't mean like like you fear somebody when somebody big like me comes and knocks on your door and says, I'm going to beat you up. No, no, no. I don't let any of that stuff right there. Make me who I am anymore. Because I know who I am in Christ Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I've been birthed anew. Don't mean I'm not afraid of snakes anymore. Snakes scare me to death. You know, they told me there was a snake in that back closet back there in the corner this week. I'm I'm being serious. I'm like, say what? They say, oh yeah, here's a black snake. It don't matter. I'm like, are you kidding me? You better get in that closet, find that snake, and kill that snake. Because unless you kill that snake, I'm going to go in there and grab a mop bucket or something. That snake's going to jump out, and either he's going to die or I'm going (laughs) to die. See, that's not the kind of fear that he's defining here. He's saying, look, you don't don't let these things that the world tells you successful is successful anymore. You you let me define how you're successful. And he goes on to say, the spirit you have now is one of power, of love, and a sound mind or self-discipline. So let me ask you. Does that define who you are? When the enemy comes against you? Or, are, are you fearful of what the enemy says? Or is the spirit at work in your life? And has he made your spirit come alive? See, when he talks about, about power, he's not talking about again, you know what, I'm going to beat you up. Or I, I got the power to beat you up. No, no, no. He's talking about what it, what it, what. Your, your, let, me, let me put it this way. Your power comes from what your foundation is. Your power comes from what you're planted in. See, see, what what is the foundational truth of your life? What are you building your life on? That's why Jesus told all of these analogies. It talks about, you know what, your life is like a house. And if it's built on solid rock, I'm the solid rock, Jesus basically says. You know what, you don't blow away. Or if it's not, it's going to blow away when the winds come. Jesus says, I'm the cornerstone. I'm the one that everything aligns with. Everything is built upon. Jesus says, man, you know what? I'm like a rock. I'm like like the alignment. I'm who you need to anchor your soul to. Anchor your life in. I'm the one, man. Are you cemented? Are you planted in who I am? You know, the Bible says those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. You have power do you have preference? See, see, what preference is is when something changes, you change too. What power is is no, no, no. They change the color of the seats and here's the deal. I'm not going to go where I prefer to go. I'm going to stay where God planted my butt in Christ Jesus to grow up and become who He's created me to be. We live in a world of preference. God says, The spirit of a living God will give you power. Power comes, my friend, when you plant yourself. Then he speaks of love. What kind of love is this? It's not loving based on what I get. It's loving based on who I know. In other words, I love out of of a heart for who first loved me. Jesus first loved me. So I love others but we tend to define love a lot of times based on how many times I got patted on the fanny or how many times somebody told me sorry and all these kind of things. No, 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 no. Listen, love is this. It's unconditional. It doesn't give because of what you do. It gives because of who you are. That's a spirit that has come alive. Do you give for what you get or do you give because of who you are? And then lastly, he says he gives you a spirit of self-discipline or a sound mind. I love this. So what is having a sound mind? Well, if I want success, i got to have a sound mind. And and, and a sound mind can be defined this way. I can can be sound when I have a good value system. So what is your value system? Do you value The kingdom of God? Or do you set your own values? Because you operate out of what you value. And what you value will determine how you stay centered in who God says you are. Do you have kingdom values? Values that come from above? Or do you have earthly values? Because the soundness In your life, will always carry you back to that one step that you took to begin with. That's what it means to have self discipline and a sound mind. In other words, because of my value system, I don't let the enemy carry my mind all over the world. Let me give you an example. We all struggle. Every single one of us. Today when I leave this platform, I have one of the biggest struggles and success than any other time of the whole entire week. And it usually happens on Sunday afternoon. Because I'm exhausted. I've been teaching the Word of God. You've been sitting there looking at me like a deer in headlights. And I'm I'm basically saying, man, did, did I... Did I connect to anybody? Did I say something to make somebody mad? Did I say somebody to say something to make somebody glad? God, God, did I, did I do a good job? And and what am I doing? I'm telling you, I go in a fog every single week. I've been doing this nearly 20 years and it hasn't stopped yet since I've been preaching. And I go in this fog. And I can get in a deep, dark place. I can go bury my head in a pillow and beat myself down to nothing. You're like, that's kind of ridiculous. No, no, no. That's real life. But I've been doing this long enough to know it's coming. It's coming this afternoon. And here's how I keep it from coming this afternoon. I get busy. My wife says, you know, you need to start going and doing something with your life besides going home and resting and, and laying down. Because when you go to lay down, you begin to get by yourself and you begin to think about all these crazy things. And then you go in this deep, dark place. The problem is, is if I go do something this afternoon and I, I keep myself busy, I don't go into that place until I lay down tonight. And then the problem is, if I don't lay down tonight and go in that place, I'll wake up tomorrow and I'll feel like crap all day long. And I got to go to that place. I, I don't know what yours is. But I, but I go to that place. But I'm strong enough in my faith and the spirit of the living God is in me when the enemy tries to tell me your success is built on what you said off that platform. I know it's coming. I know it's there. It's a battle with my own flesh. It's a battle of wanting to succeed by my own nature. But I also have been birthed anew in Christ Jesus. I begin to talk to myself. And I talked myself out of it. Some of you are like, I can't ever change. Yes, you flipping can. But when the Spirit of the Lord gets in your heart and your life, and you begin to listen to the Spirit instead of listening to your own fleshly nature, we all do it over and over again. And so I beat myself in the head. I'm like, that ain't who you are. No, no, I'm getting foggy. That ain't who you are. Oh, I I wonder if I made freedom mad today. That ain't who you are. With a hundred thousand dollar donor left the church, that ain't who you are. I'm telling you, this is the preacher battle. I don't know what your battle is. But you get in those places too. And you got to learn to fight With your faith in the living God. And it all begins with one step. Faith in Jesus and who he is. Have you taken that step? Or you can continue to climb whatever ladder is in front of you. Let me pray for you today. God, you're an amazing God. And God, I thank you for who Jesus is. He's God in the flesh. He went through brutal sin so we could understand how horrific sin is and how much you love us and don't want us to experience where sin is carrying us to, which is eternal death. Jesus, you came to give us eternal life. You proved it through your resurrection. God, if there is one here today that don't have faith in the living God, God, I pray today they would take that step, that one step. And God, you would deposit your spirit in them and make their spirit come alive. My friend, I don't know who you are, but if you need to take that step today, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is who He says He is, my friend, in that moment, God will rescue you and put His Spirit in you. Have you truly put your faith in Jesus? Have you taken that step? If not, maybe you want to say this God, I've been trying to climb the wrong ladder all my life by myself. Today I need you. I need you to come into my life. Forgive me of all of my misses and all of my sin. And birth me anew in Christ Jesus. And may I live all the days of my life by the power of your Holy Spirit. My friend, all of it's a gift and that gift comes from God. But you have to take that step of faith and trust it with all of your heart. If you said that prayer today, just tell God, thank you for that gift, and then begin to operate by his amazing power. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope you were encouraged, motivated, and inspired today by the message. And again, man, we believe in you. We believe great things for you. It's because of many people's faithful giving that we're able to go out around the world. If you choose to invest in Barefoot Church, just go on over to barefootchurch.com. You can give there, but go out, live your purpose, and be inspired in a great, great way.